Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful to be together this morning, really, really cool. Uh, cool is the operative word this Sunday morning, so get a little bit closer to your neighbor. If you are single, I would just say shovel up, shuff, uh, shovel up next to the person who looks very attractive. Anyone, any movement going on, just checking? It's church, that's what we do at church, yeah? It's really cool. I met my wife in church, I met her, and I wanted to say church is a great place to meet your wife. Do you know, did you meet your wife in church as well? Good place, hey? this, is a, this is a holy place, I tell you. God is doing good things. Anyway, so very, very exciting to be together. Just to let you know, if you are needing any other details as well, our June calendar is out, and uh, it's not to do with anything else, but I mean, just thought no one else has mentioned it, so I must mention it. Um, whose birthday is this coming Thursday? Oh, it's just me. Sorry, my hand's up. Sorry about that. Sorry. It's your birthday as well. Robin, you and I, 2nd of June. Wonderful, man. Thanks for stealing my thunder. Wow. Thanks, Robin. No, I'm joking. But I um, just want to say, if you want to drop off your gift with me, uh, no, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, but seriously, speak to Fiona. But it's really good to be together in all, in all honesty. We are in the second week of our new series called God Is. And uh, we had a phenomenal start last week. If you missed it, you missed out. But I want to point you, we don't do this often. I want to say go back, go to our, our website, lifechanges.org.za. Take a listen to, to the first uh, installment of our series. We don't do that often. We don't pr- promote our own stuff. But go have a listen because um, it really was a God moment as we kicked off the series. Just to let you know why we are doing this series, just to make it clear, we're not doing this as a theological exercise to make sure the church um, uh, have more knowledge. Well, knowledge is good, and knowing more about God is good, but that is not the primary reason we're doing this, because we, we really believe that actually at the heart of this series is that, you will, that people will end up looking more like the God that we serve. That's what we want to do. We know the number one accusation of the church is hypocrite. You say one thing, but you act in a different way. And we're saying, actually, we believe that if we see God rightly, our lives will start to change and become more like Him. The problem is often we have a a distorted view, a distorted image of what God looks like and who He is and how He interacts with us, and then we respond negatively. A.W. Tozer says this, he says, that by some strange law of the soul, some secret law of the soul, we we tend to move towards our mental image of God. So we are wanting to paint a big picture of God, a correct view of Him, lean into scriptures, lean into the, the ancient uh, truth about God, the unshakable, the things that have never changed about Him, and dust it off and bring some clarity to this thing we call God. Is everyone okay with that? Sounds good? Good. So last week, if you weren't here, just to bring you up to speed, and if you were here, just to remind you, we looked at God is Yahweh. We lent into a conversation between Moses and God in Exodus chapter 3, and this incredible story where, God, where Moses said to God, what is your name? And, and in, the, in the Hebrew culture, that question is, is not just, what is your name? Like your Fred, George, which one is it, God? No, no, it's, it's, it's more to do with character. What are you like? That's the correct question. And God answered, said, I am who I am. In other words, I will be who I'll be. And we demystified that. We found out that God declared his name Yahweh. And we said, what does that mean? We looked at Yahweh and we said, in three, Yahweh can be marked by three type of things. Number one, can be marked by sufficiency. Broad strokes, God, when He says, I am who I am, He says that I am enough. God and God alone is enough. He does not need any extra uh, additions to Him or subtractions to make Him any more or any less God. God is more than enough. Secondly, we said that God is marked by consistency. In a world where we are like this, I don't know about you, but my emotions go like a roller coaster. My, my attitude sometimes is like that. I'm trying harder, and the, the, the more I follow Jesus, I, I feel I'm getting a little bit better. But I still am human, and my, my, I, I put my poor wife through the rigors sometimes. Which Gabe is she going to meet today? But can I tell you the good news is that our God is not like that. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always consistent. That means you don't have to second guess which God am I meeting today. Is it a snort club or is it a hug from him? I don't know which one. It's not dependent on how you feel that determines his mood. 
He is consistent. I am who I am, which brings such confidence to I, to who I am, because I am not consistent, but by the grace of God, I can lean into the one who is and find that God can bring some more consistency to my life. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. And finally, we found out, we rounded off that last week, we're saying that the word Yahweh, understanding that it was actually, he, God, God could have given his title. He said, what is your name? He could have said, I am Lord, Apostle, Doctor, um, Teacher, you know, a title. He, but he didn't do that. He gave a name. That up to that point, you know, God, it's like a title. But he said, my name is Yahweh. And that for us is not just a, a, a name that we can go, cool, that's nice. It's actually, it signifies an invitation to intimacy. It's like, that. I don't know if you ever remember those days where you had a teacher, and uh, Aidan Pringle will know this, and Leanne will know this sort of very well, where you, you'll, you'll see a teacher, and they've always just been Mr. and Mrs. Pringle to you. And then you see them outside of school, and you realize that they're real people. They're not just a teacher. Wow. It's like, no, they're not. Aidan said, no, we're not. No. But I remember the, the sort of thing I did not understand, but I had a teacher in Durban, Mr. Lyle. And then when he told me his first name, I refused to call him by his first name. It was just weird after school. Still, 10 years later, Mr. Lyle, like he's never been anything else to me. But, but God is not like that. He is saying, I, he said, I'm Yahweh. Come, I want to know you. Not just from a distance, but intimately and close. And we're so excited about this journey that we believe that was what God is wanting to do. Reveal himself in a big way, but call us to himself closely. Is everyone all right for that? We're going to go to Scripture this morning, and I'm going to make it really easy for you. Page 1 of your Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So if you, it's really easy this morning, guys. This is going to be good. Tell me if you're there. Let me know when you get there. The Scripture will be behind me if you don't have your Bible. I'm going to be reading from uh, the New Living Translation. Everyone alright? Good. So we're going to read the first five verses. And we're going to skip a few. And jump down to verse 26, but you'll follow on the screen as well. Let's begin. In the beginning, you've got to say those words dramatically. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, in Morgan Freeman's voice. Can you imagine it? Let there be light. Deep. There, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. The next 20 verses deal for day two today. Day two, three, four, and five. We get to the day six just for time's sake. I pick it up in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the, in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. They stop there for today. Father, I pray this morning as we lean into your word, I thank you God we find this morning that you are actually already leaning into us, that you are not playing hide and seek, you are for us and you want to make yourself known. I pray God even this morning would you unbox our small view of you, where we boxed you in, would you enlarge our view of you God, we want to know who you are in clarity and intimacy today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there we go. Very quickly this morning, if it's all right, there's some big things we need to do. Are you okay to do work? Everyone all right? You've come to do work on this cold morning. I know that. I know you Yeah, Let's do work. Okay, we're hungry for the Word of God. Just very quickly, let's set the stage. The first three words. In the beginning. If you are a, 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 a child at heart, or if you are literally a child, then you'll know the words, once upon a time. You know those words? It's like those rich words that get you so excited as a young child. When, when mom and dad says, once upon a time, you know it's going to be good. We're about to go on an adventure. There's going to be some incredible things. There'll be a talking snowman maybe. There'll be some, some singing definitely in some Disney classics. But it's going to be good. Whatever is going to follow once upon a time is going to be good. Okay, maybe once upon a time is a little bit uh, childish for some of you. Okay, we'll go a little bit more cool and mainstream. 
in a galaxy far, far away. Now there we go. Now I've got you. Oh, now we are. There we go. But you know, the screen on those Star Wars movies, the fans around the world, as soon as they, they don't even have to know what's going to come next, they just see those words, the music starts, and they go, yes, we're on an adventure. This is going to be good. In the same way, these words, these three words, in the beginning, are beckoning us in. It's not just a neat way to start. It's, it's a literary, devi- literary device to say, step in closer. Something's about to happen. Something big, something world-shaping, something that's going to capture your imagination in the beginning. This is not just some account, biological account of the earth. No, this is not some textbook. This is Almighty God saying, lean in. This is going to be good. In the beginning. Then the next word we stumble upon is this. God. Don't you love that? I love how the Bible doesn't have to guess who the main character of the story is. It's not like it leaves us till Act 3. No, he just says, day one, in the beginning, God. I love that. That is so huge for me. And this is actually incredible, is that it's not only in the beginning. Actually, we learned last week that before the beginning, God. God was, and he always has been. He didn't need, he didn't, wasn't waiting, going, when, when, when's the start of the show? God was, and he always has been, and he was complete without us. It was not this romantic comedy moment where he's saying, I need you, creation, to fulfill me. No, no, it wasn't anything like that. God was and he was self-sufficient in himself. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, in two weeks' time, we'll be dealing with God is Trinity. Don't miss out on that one. It's going to be a good day. It's like a promo, movie promo. God is Trinity. And next week, we've got Brett Anderson preaching, by the way. Wow, very exciting. Very exciting. But back to the word. In the beginning, God. Before the beginning, God. Can I tell you, actually, at the end, God. When your days end, God. What a beautiful statement. What a freeing statement to hear on a Sunday morning. It's about Him. Wow, you're like, this is a profound church, eh? Profound. It's about God. Mm. Very profound church, I tell you. Can I tell you this? Nothing was before Him. Nothing coexisted with Him but Himself. If anything else was there with Him, that too would be God. But there was nothing else. The Bible tells us in the beginning, God. I love that. We're going to move on. Everyone okay? We're going. We're moving somewhere. The next word says, in the beginning God created. Now, this for me has captivated me for for years because I I look at this and I go, this is God's big introduction. I'm a dramatic guy. I'm all about big intros. I'm like, actually, if we can, we've toned it down. But if I had my way, the guys are restraining me. I would have had smoke here. I would have had you cheering as I come out like as a talk show. Gaby, Gaby. Hello, everybody. You know, but they're like, no, Gabe, it's Sunday. Relax. Not that... Okay, I'm a dramatic guy, so I'm thinking if I was God and doing this introduction, I'm going big. In the beginning, God, and he comes out, I am your king. And he's like, band play. Little marching band, yeah? Or something. Or he goes, I am Lord Emperor, King of the world. Something dramatic. Come on, God. Or, Or put out your big mark of who you are. I am head honcho. Obey me. No, he didn't do that. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created. And I, and I find this so fascinating that God, in his incredible wisdom, introduces himself to humanity as a creator, as an artist, as a sculptor, as a gardener. Somebody who makes things out of nothing. God introduces himself as an artist. In the beginning, God created Wow, I love that. And that immediately, for me, blows my mind. I don't know about you, but for years I live in, in distance and reverential fear of God who's far away, thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. I hope he doesn't smack me today. That's how I approach God, my view of God. So I lived in that posture towards him. But actually God says, from the beginning, I've not been hiding who I am. In the beginning, God created I'm an artist. I make beautiful things. That's what I do. We're going to carry on. We'll get, come back to some of these things. It says, in the beginning, God created, and finally says, the heavens and the earth out of nothing. Now, this is huge. This is a theological truth that we have to understand. That actually, this is it. There was no divine DIY kit available for God in this process. Didn't wake up in the morning. Right, let's get to work. Where's my tool belt? Good. 
where's the instructions, okay, how to assemble an earth in seven days. Ah, yes, look, sounds easy. For the ages eight to eternity. Good, perfect. Sounds perfect for me. Just in my zone. No, 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 there was no divine DIY kit available. There was nothing. The scriptures tell us out of nothing, he created everything. Can I tell you, this is a shocker. Write this one down. Google did not exist yet. Theological statement. There was no Google. There was no Wikipedia. Can I tell you, he couldn't Wikipedia how do time zones work. I still don't get them. I'm like, it's night time in America. But a Sunday, Saturday night in America, Sunday evening in Australia, this is amazing. Can I tell you, God didn't go, how do time zones work? How am I going to work that out? Oh, the meridian there. Oh, flip. We'll go back to Wikipedia. No, it wasn't that for God. Can I tell you, even more for me, sorry, this is just me baffling on a little bit. Just indulge me. God didn't, even God doesn't know how hopscotch works, I think. Has anyone ever seen hopscotch before? I was just thinking about this this morning. You know hopscotch, that little thing, that mystical game that little girls play. And boys watch going, what are they doing? They're drawing numbers on the floor. And for some reason, they're skipping. They're going, Frere Jacques, and there's shapes. And we're like, what are they doing? They're going, and we're like, and we're like, I don't understand. Maybe it's something they're told at birth, something how this works. And they go, oh, I messed up. We're like, how did they mess up? We don't know. And yet, and as, as they finish and they go away, we go and we look at these ancient markings on the floor. How does this work? Can I tell you? I think only girls and God knows. He's like, Hopscotch, yes, I'll give it to the, the young girls. They'll, they'll know what to do with that. You know, sorry, I digress. I completely digress. What I'm saying is, God, there was no manual for God to follow to put things in place in the story. The Latin word, if you're wanting to say, Gabe, are you even being serious here today? I am. The Latin word is ex nihilo. 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 I'm saying it completely wrong. But it means out of nothing. It's a theological concept that actually the majesty of God is magnified when we understand that He commands nothingness and nothingness obeys Him. Wow. He needs nothing to receive it for nothing to respond. Can I tell? That's when it blows my mind when I start to understand that if I ever start to doubt the Word of God, God can issue a command that is so powerful that if nothing is there to obey, the word itself brings forth its own obedience to creation out of nothing. Wow. God is powerful. In the beginning, God. It's like, it's what I do. I make everything you see. Table Mountain, the Grand Canyon, Everest, the smallest, minutest bacteria, the furthest star flung into the galaxy. He made it out of nothing. Wow. God. In the beginning, God. Can I tell you, this is massive. Very quickly, if, if you're into this stuff, I just want to deal with this. It actually deals this notion, this theology of knowing that God created out of nothing, that before the beginning there was nothing else, there was nothing else coexisting with Him, deals a death blow. Just if you are this way inclined, just lean in a little bit. This is to prove that I really did go to university. That it deals a death blow to any theological, philosophical notion of, called dualism. Do you know what dualism is? Dualism is a theological thing that say good and evil, yin and yang are battling it out. Who will win? Can I tell you, understanding page one of the Bible deals that actually in the beginning, God. There was no battle. There is no battle. He is supreme over the enemy. He rules supreme because it wasn't even there in the beginning. Wow. Can I tell you a deal? I don't know, you know those movies, those horror movies. You watch the horror movies and you know when they, they call the exorcism, they get the priest to come. You're like, oh, the priest is going to get but whipped here. Can I tell you, it's not like that with God. It's not like, oh, no, no, God, God is. In the beginning, God. There was no equal. It deals a death blow to polytheism. Maybe there are many gods, many different gods. No, there's one God because in the beginning, we see no other counterparts. He looks around and says, is there anyone else? No, just me. In the beginning, God. It deals a death blow to, uh, to every type of thing, to pantheism. If you watch Avatar, this is what they, this is, that actually the trees are God and the animals are God. God is, no, yes, God sustains all things, but He is not, He is not all things. God is. And it, it's because the thing is, if, if the create, if pantheists believe that actually creation was there with God and God and, and creation that takes a personality as Mother Earth, it deals a death blow because Mother Earth was not around. God. This is a, 
So this is, it might be one line, but it deals a death blow very quickly. Bam, bam, bam. For us as Christians, we know in the beginning, God. Okay, let's move on. Everyone all right? Bam, I love it. So this morning, if you're wondering, what are we dealing? God is what, Gabe? God is creator. We're dealing with God is creator. And you may going, whoa, I hope this has reference. I tell you, this has shaped me even in the last week as I prepared. So I'm excited. Three points. Point number one, because we have a creator, because we have a creator, here's the big truth, yeah, number one, we are not the point. Let me tell you why this is so exciting. It may feel like a slap in the face on a Sunday morning. It's not. It's good news. Because number A, it's freeing. Right now, because you've just heard that you are not the point of the existence of the universe, you're not the center of it all, can I tell you, take a deep breath. I can relax. Oh, thank goodness, thank God that I am not God. The pressure's off. He is God. You and I are not. He is the show. This is His show. In the beginning, God. It's not about you and I. Can I tell you the incredible thing for me? That deep breath that you and I just took. <sighs> Kekshi, you didn't take it. He gave it to you. How kind of our Creator. He gave it to you. It wasn't even taken by authority. I will take this breath now. <sighs> no, no, he's going, I gave that to them. And can I tell you, Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, it was created, by, created the world, but also sustained he sustains the world. So it's also just back to the, the sociological, theological, philosophical word. One more. It deals a death blow to deism as well, which says that God created the world and took a step back and says, I'll see you on the other side. No? The Bible tells he created and he says he is sustaining the world by the power of his word. That means, can I tell you? What that means is that right now, if he said, actually, I'm going to remove my breath from any one of us, we will drop down dead now. Right now. If he said, stop being, the thing would stop. It is sustained because he allows it to carry on. Wow. We are not the point. Very freeing. But secondly, under we are not the point, I want to tell you, it also reminds us that we are utterly dependent. And something that's not often preached and we forget about the church because we, we, we leap from page one, we leave Genesis and we go straight to Jesus, meek and mild, make me happy and, you know, and actually, we forget that God is creator. We forget that we have to, it calls us, that because we're not the point, that we, have to be, we are called to be utterly dependent on him. If we understand he is creator and I'm created. For me, there's only one who's the point, him. It's like a, for me there, it's like a newborn baby. It's a picture of a newborn baby. You know, you see a whole family rush around and they're changing nappies and the baby's doing, the baby is, is the focus, but the baby is not there by any chance of its own will. The baby is not there and going, wow, look how amazing this baby is on its own. It's doing everything. No, the baby is utterly dependent on, a hu- on mom and dad around him, on family around him. Otherwise, that baby's not going to survive. And, and creation, understand creator and we are created, it starts to rise up inside of us, this notion that we are created to be utterly dependent on creator. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who calls life back. That's who he is. Everyone all right with that first point? Because we are created, we are not the point. Secondly, number two this morning, is because we, are, we have a creator, we have a purpose. We have a purpose. Now let me tell you this, you and I are not merely aimlessly floating through a cosmos with no plan or purpose. We're not. We're not just these entities. Oh, wonder what the purpose of this. Can I tell you again, and I say this reverentially, but very carefully, we, you and I are not just products of cheap wine, passions running high, Barry White on the soundtrack, and bad birth control. We're not. We're not. I'll tell you again that we're not just biological, uh, the next addition to our family tree. Oh, that's how it came. Phillips is... No, we're not. That because we understand we have a creator, that he is a God who is purposeful. He's not whimsical. He's not frivolous. He wasn't like, I wonder what I'll do on day one. Hmm. Stars. No, no. He had a purpose. He spoke it and it obeyed. This is creator God. In the beginning, God calling existence to be so purposeful that day seven, he took a nap. I'm going to rest today. He had his weak in control. <laughs> Amazing. 
That's how He is purposeful. This is Creator God. Because we have a Creator, the Creator has created us with a purpose in mind. Francis Schaeffer, you might know him, but Francis Schaeffer says that sentence, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that statement, he said, is the most pregnant statement with anticipation the world has ever heard. It is, he says, pregnant with purpose, the statement, in the beginning God created. He said purpose was about to leap off the page. This is the God we serve. Can I tell you, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth means you were created with a purpose. So if we leap into that story, day one, if you go follow the narrative, God says, let there be light. He spoke and light erupted. Light obeyed. Let there be light. There was no light. Light said, yes, sir. Reporting for juicy. Then he said, let there be mountains, trees, animals, bacteria, small and big, the great, the large, the stars, far-flung stars and mountains. And he spoke and they obeyed. But then there's a, there's a twist. If you read the narrative before, in day six, the verses that we landed on, it says, God said this, he said, let us create man in our own image. And if you go read chapter two, the, the micro version of day six happens. And it says God has spoken everything into existence up to this point. But when he got to his pinnacle of creation, humanity, man, it says he did something different. This is one just spoke and he move on. It says the father got down on his hands and knees and he went and he, picked, he got down into the dust of the earth. And he started to form mankind out of the dust and into his image. Something different. It's a huge shift in the narrative. He's been saying he spoke light. He spoke minds. He spoke animals. He spoke creation. He spoke everything into being. But man, he leant down with purpose and intentionality. And he shaped and he fashioned man out of the dust. This wasn't just some random moment. This was God's purpose in making you and I. Can I tell you, this is so incredible because it was not just like some child on the beach uh, randomly pushing sand around trying to make a, a sandcastle and they say, oh, I'll have an extra wing because I've got some more sand and oh, the wave's coming quickly, I've got to move it. No, this wasn't like that. It wasn't playing that playing in the sand. This was God purposefully, the artist, the creator, the sculptor, the gardener, fashioning out something purposefully. Now, this is massive because verse 26 and 27 are, are huge. And what theologians call when God describes, he let us create man in our image and in our likeness. He has not done that with any of the other creation. Creation, he had said, he had done the animals, the trees, every life form. He had said, let them reproduce after their own kind. But he gets to man. He said, I'm going to create man in my image and likeness, what the scholars call the Imago Dei. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I. The image of God. You and I were made in the image of God. The height of creation was that the stars, the mountains, the, the, the waterfalls, the, the ecosystems, all of it was there to display His glory and point to Him. But there was no, cre- no other element in creation but man carried His likeness. You and I do. Man carried His likeness. Now, if this is all right, I'm going to do some work here with you because... We are created from God, and we are created for God. That's the height of our story. We're created from God, and we're created for God. Now, this is huge for us to understand, because most preachers, and I beg to say that most of us have been a part of a church one day in our lives, or maybe we've heard on TV, or you've heard rumors of this, that there are, believe it or not, there are some churches, and a lot of them do. Most preachers start their preaching narrative from Genesis chapter 3. Now, let me explain that. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 deals with creation, God creating you and I in the image of God. Everyone still with me? Good. Chapter 3 is, is, the, is the original sin where Adam and Eve, they sin, they take, they say, no, we want the glory, we want to be God to ourselves, and they walk away from God purposefully. And they condemn mankind. We are all then because of born sinful. Because of Genesis 3. Now, this is the kicker. Most preachers will start off preaching to their congregations with the mindset that they're preaching to Genesis 3 people. So you'll hear statements like this. We are all sinners condemned. You're all broken and fallen. You must stop your sin and they're sweating. Sorry, don't want to mock them. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Because this is the thing. Yes, are they true? Yes, we are sinners. But that is not the full picture. 
Because this is the problem. You can't start in Genesis 3 when actually Genesis 1 precedes it. We've got to be a people who understand this. This is huge for me. Can I tell you why? Because if we just start in Genesis 3, it reduces us as people just down to our lowest depravity. We are reduced by preachers, we are reduced by religion to our depravity. And how can I scrape my way back to God? When actually we are called as people, do you understand when we start with chapter 1 and God is our creator, and when we know that, it it elevates our worth and it restores our dignity. Now let me, I'm going somewhere with that. Can I tell you it changes our approach as a church? Now this is huge. Because I met a guy in Zimbabwe, a guy called Dr. Shana. He leads some big evangelical movement in Zimbabwe. He's a pastor. He's a clever guy. And he said these things to me years ago that never left my mind. He said, because of Genesis 1, because we understand that God is a creator, it, makes, it changes our approach. Because if we start with chapter 3, there's three options for us as a church, how we respond to people around us and the world and other people. Number one, we as a church, if we start in Genesis 3, that everyone is sinners and depraved and broken and fallen, it means we start, as a church, we must reject the world, stay away, we must get as many people saved, and then we must bunker down and wait for the rapture. <laughs> singing, kumbaya, come on, sing it louder. We don't want to hear what they're singing. Drown out Katy Perry's voice. <laughs> That's one option if we start in Genesis 3. Second option is we just get very angry as Christians, and we say what we need to do is we need to Christianize the state. So we need to go fight and change laws, and we need to become a Christian nation. We need to get back to God, repent. This nation is going to hell if we don't repent. And we go on the offensive. Second option, if we start in Genesis 3. But he said the problem is the Bible doesn't start in Genesis 3. It starts in Genesis 1 with God as creator making Imago Day. When we understand that, yes, it does not disqualify the fact that, yes, people are fallen and sinners and need God, need, but they need to be reminded who the creator is. Genesis 1, if we start with that, it gives us our third option as a church. And I believe this is the biblical one. The church must serve the world. Instead of throwing rocks, we engage with the pain, cultivating and creating in their fallenness, in their dust. We start to echo what our Creator does with us. Because we are made in a Margot day, as a church, what we are, when we understand that God is our creator, it means the church don't hide away from the brokenness of the world. We go to where there is nothing. Because where did our creator go? Where there was nothing. Our creator created in the darkness. And he made the light. Can I tell you, it, it, it reinforces, when we understand this theology, it shifts our approach as a people, that we are a people that serve the world, not hide from the world. We don't condemn the world. And I can tell you, can I, if you want me to go a little bit further, just look at Jesus, yeah. who is called in Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1, called the image of the Father, the greatest image bearer. If, you see, if you've seen Christ, you've seen my Father. What did he come to do? He said, I came to serve. So much so that he went lower and lower and lower till he was crucified and buried in the ground as the sin of the world. You and I are to carry the same, same heart. We're going somewhere. Everyone all right? Point number three, final point for this morning. If we understand we have a creator, we realize that we are created for his pleasure. We are made for his pleasure. Let me explain why this is huge. We understand that God was existing. C.S. Lewis uses the term the perichoresis. What happened before the beginning? God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, were living in perfect community. It's called the dance of the Trinity. They were in perfect love. Their, their joy, their, their, their communion was so perfect. Their, their, their life was so full. They did not need extra else. They did not need us. Can I tell you the great news for you and I is that we were not made out of a need or a void in God. God needed some friends. He was lonely. No, he was not. Again, remember, we are not the point. But this is so freeing. Because we start understanding why were we made? If it wasn't out of need, but it was out of an overflow of who he was. It was an invitation to join in his pleasure. To join in his life. This life here was so good that we cannot contain it between the three of us and the Godhead. This perfect perichoresis, this dance of the Trinity where it's revolving or mutual love for one another. It's too much for us. Let's invite others in. And out of his pleasure, he created man. Kind. 
He, we are made out of delight. Can I tell you, I, I can imagine God, if I can be, give me creative license quickly, I can imagine Him as, 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 they, as, the, as the God who are working, creating, day one, day two, they're making this stuff, and I can see Him almost going, chucking Himself, saying, you think the Grand Canyon's cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. Ooh, I'm holding the back for last. It's like, you know, you know when you go to the home and they know they've got good desserts, and I just say, like, it's coming. Enjoy the main course. It's coming. Yeah, it's nice. I can imagine God doing the same. The sense of anticipation going, you haven't seen nothing yet. Table Mountain. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Wait till day six. Come on. Out of pleasure, he leant in and he started fashion and form us. Ephesians chapter 1. If you've got time, go and read it, the first portion there. Because Ephesians chapter 1 deals with creation language and talks about God and his relationship with mankind. And it's beautiful. And it tells us for time's sake that you and I, it says, were created... Chosen before the creation of the world, we are chosen and created him for his pleasure. According to his pleasure. This is amazing for me because this deals a hammer blow to thinking that you were born to fulfill a quota. We need some more redheads. This is, thank goodness I'm not a B representative for God. I need more redheads. Oh, what am I going to do? He'll do. No. No, it's not that. Can I tell you it's not begrudging? It's not haphazard? God's not like, ah. What about him, though? Oh, fine. Doesn't he come in blonde? Oh. No, no, no. It's not begrudging. It's not haphazard. This is creator God, chosen according to his pleasure. And I have learned this. This has been drummed down in me as a, since a little boy. Because when my family we used to live in Zimbabwe, we came on holiday to South Africa. And uh, we didn't, in Zimbabwe, we have one-size-fits-all type stores. You just go in there if you want toys, if you want chocolates, if you want Coke, if you want maize, if you want letters stamped, you got a TM. One size fits all. It's everything. There's not, not many specialized shops. Or maybe it is now. I haven't been for a while. But what we used to do, so when we came to South Africa, it was like coming to the promised land. We come over the border and they're like, Fresca? Wow. Does anyone remember Fresca? Wow. I see that hand. I see that hand. But, uh, yeah, we started to see the variety, and we suddenly saw that as little kids, we arrive on the doorstep, and my parents would come and say, we're going to this mall, a mall, like, wow, wow, and a shop called Toys R Us, Toys Russ, we thought, for a long time, Toys Russ, who's Russ? Lovely guy, Toys R Us, and I remember my parents come with the three boys and go, okay, listen, boys, we're on a strict budget, eh, Zim economy, remember? So guys, you're gonna, you've got 30 minutes. You guys can go choose one toy. <sighs> Torture for a little radio day. Eh? <sighs> one. There's all door. But then we're going. The time was on. It's like Reggie's rush, but we had 30 minutes. But it was crazy. <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. Looking. I was like, I'll take the. No, 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 no. Oh, wait a minute. And it's like this. And joy upon joy. I get more and more hyper. The ADD boy was just like freaking out. This is too one. I don't know what to do. Which one? And as the time ran down, our parents would, my dad did a whistle that only dogs and radiates could hear. <laughs> we ran to the front, and I remember at the time, we'd come, shaking, trembling. And we're like, they're like, have you got it? We're like, I've chosen. I've chosen my toy. This is the one out of this whole store. I want this one. And it was out of a sense of delight and joy that we would choose this one. And when I think about it, I think that's how the father was, minus the ADHD. But I think there was a joy and a pleasure in choosing you and I, creating us as his image bearers. It wasn't like, oh, what am I going to do? No, this is who I want. This is amazing for us because, for me, this is so huge because it's, we are created his image and this God who is filled with pleasure. The Bible tells us he has pleasures forevermore at his right hand. This God who, who knows that there's pleasure more and he wants to cre- invite us into the thing, he, he's the one who created us with a desire for pleasure. Shock, horror. Do you think you would hear that in church? Did you know that? You were created to have these desires for pleasure. Where are they from otherwise if they're not from the creator? You and I were created for pleasure, but here's the kicker that he knows that we can only be fully satisfied in the one who has ultimate pleasure, whom the pleasure flowed from. He knows that, and that's why a call, when he calls, come back to God, and he begs, and he pleads, sends his son, he does everything. Why? It's not a, a father who's angry. Come back, you sinners. No, it's a Genesis 1 creator saying, come back to pleasure. 
fullness of joy. C.S. Lewis says this thing. He says, it's not because we have to, our desires are too strong that we go and we sin. Oh, I desire, I've got too much desires for women, for drink, for, for oh, too strong. No, he says because your desires for pleasure are too weak. Because you've become too easily satisfied. When there's pleasure forevermore, saying, come to me. Can I tell you this incredible thing? We were created inside of us with a homing pigeon type device. You know those pigeons, they release them and they go and they come back to the same place all the time. You and I have got this homing pigeon DNA, the likeness of God imprinted upon you and I as people that will never be satisfied until we have gone home. People will ache and ache and ache. Why? And they'll fill and they'll try. But we are the creator because they don't know I am created by a creator of pleasure. We are made out of pleasure and we are made for pleasure. I want to land this morning in this place. Speed. Flick through a few pages dramatically. In your Bible to where you find Jesus. Crucified on the cross. The sun goes down. The crowd go away. He's dead. And Joseph lays him down, takes him down. A whole bunch of guys are going to lay him down in a tomb, in a grave. And it, was, it, was this, it wasn't this romanticized cave type thing. It was a hole in the ground with a rock over it, just there to push in place. And, and, and in they go, this Jesus goes in there, and he's dead. In the dust of the earth. Dead Friday. Dead Saturday. Nothing going on. The light of the world was re- reduced to nothing. The Bible tells us he was crushed. He had nothing about his appearance to draw us to him. It, it goes on and it also tells us that actually he became nothing. Philippians 2 says he became nothing. Wow. Christ, restricted, laid low to nothing in the dust. And then day three, Sunday comes. I just can imagine poetically. The Bible says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. I can imagine the Spirit of God going in there, saying it's time for the Creator, the gardener, to get back to work. Stepping in there, into the dust of humanity, our brokenness, that Jesus had pulled upon Himself, our brokenness. Our Genesis 3 story, He said, I will become the sin. Crushed by it. And the Spirit of God goes in there. And I can imagine this moment where Jesus, the formless body lying there, and the Spirit of God going, Yod, hey, va, hey, woof. And the fullness of God ripped him out of the death, out of the pangs of death and Hades, the grip gone. Death, where is your sting? And the Creator God rips him out of the dust, out of nothing. And the Creator uh, Jesus arises, the image bearer of God, calling image bearers back to the Father. This is massive for me. Doesn't stop there. The story carries on. And these. The people, the, the, the followers of Jesus, they're quite distressed. Jesus is gone, where are we? And John 20, if you want to go read it, a bunch of ladies are looking for Jesus, and they're so distressed. They're sitting in the garden there by the tomb waiting, and they're so sad. And it says Jesus was risen, and Jesus comes up to them, walks up to them. It says, why are you so sad? And there's a scripture that's snuck in there, a verse that's snuck into John chapter 20 that blows my mind. It says this, the ladies thinking that he was the gardener. Wow. The first image of the resurrected Christ, the gardener, the artist, the sculptor, the creator is back. The first image of the resurrected Christ was the gardener. This is Genesis 1. It's reversing the curse all the way back, not just to a a better starting point where you can try again. He was reversing the curse past Genesis 3 where we sinners trying harder, but back to image bearers. You are image bearers who carry my nature, my likeness, who I am. Imago Dei, I am God. Wow. For me, this is massive. What implication does it have for us today? A hell of a lot. Should I say a heaven of a lot? <laughs> you're sitting here and you say, nothing is good inside of me, Gabe. You don't know my heart. It's rotten. Or nothing is good in my marriage. There's nothing happening. In my, I've got nothing for my spouse anymore. I've got nothing for my kids. I, I've got nothing to live for. Can I tell you, nothing? Perfect conditions for the Creator. Perfect conditions for the Creator. He does not need anything else. He's give me your nothing. Give it to me. Watch what I can do. This is massive. Can I tell you this morning as we land, welcome to Imago Dei Christianity. 
where we are a people with dust on our hands, engaged in the brokenness of our world, but with His breath in our lungs. Imago Dei Christianity. Let's get to work. Knowing Him and showing the world what our Creator looks like. Amen. We're going to land this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come up to play. But what we're going to do, they're just going to play. We're not going to sing. We're going to take communion together. Now, if you're foreign to communion, communion is just us enjoying uh, the intimate relationship with Jesus that He gave us, restored to us through the cross. So it's us remembering our Creator, remembering our Savior through His blood and His body that was broken for us. When you... Wow, beautiful. There we go. The Spirit of God is here. But I'm going to ask you to get out your seat to come and get a, a, a glass of juice and a piece of bread. But I want to ask you if you'll take it together with us because I believe God is doing something deep in the heart of us as a community. Yes, as individuals, but as a community. So let's do that together. Let's get, and then we're going to pray and we'll land this meeting together. ask if you've got your communion already and you're waiting for others, please just keep your heart centered on Jesus. This is a, I think I feel, believe it's a holy moment. God is awakening the ancient, the, the, the stuff that's been buried in, underneath us for so many years, calling us uh, back again, that God is creator. It changes everything. Just focus on him. we stand with these emblems. Father, I pray right now, we thank you for your presence here. That you are here with us. That you are filled with joy and pleasure at your sons and your daughters. Made in your image to carry your likeness, to be a representative to a world that has lost a sight of who you are. That has given into weak pleasures. You are reminding a world that you are not a God who is counting our sins, but you're a God reminding us of the pleasure you have for us. God, that was never more clearly seen than in the person of Jesus. That you would send your one and only son, you would send your son to come and take on our likeness. Sinner. Sinful man. Divorcee. Adulterer. Abortionist anger person fraudulent person porn addict violent person depressive, emotionally unstable you came and you took on our nature, our likeness so that we could be restored to a Genesis 1 creator said I have created you in my image God you're reminding us that the breath in our lungs is from you Right now, I pray as we take these emblems, you're restoring a sense of wonder of who you are, of gratitude to who you are, and you're you're sparking a desire to pursue you with everything. Can we take communion together? Thank you, Jesus, for your body, your blood, that opens a way back to the Father, opens a way back to Creator. Let's do that in your own time. Thank God.
just as we've got our eyes closed, if you're still taking communion, please go with that. But if you're here today and you've never made a decision to respond to Jesus, as I've said, God is, he is not, he is purposeful, but he does not push himself. He invites, but he waits for us to respond. If you've never responded to the grace of Jesus Christ and you've never said, I've actually never made a public declaration that I want to belong to Him. I'd love you just to raise your hand right now in this place. I want to pray for you. Don't leave this moment. Is there anyone here? I know it's a big, bold move to put your hand up. But this is why the Creator, He is not ashamed to call you His own. and He's saying, will you respond right now? Lift your hand as a small act of faith. Is there anyone here? I don't want to miss this opportunity. Cool. No one responded in that moment, but if you are saying, I'm wrestling, I've got questions, please don't leave without coming to talk. God is doing stuff here. He's shaping us as a community, shaping us as individuals, reminding us of incredible truth final, final thing. As we leave today, the band are going to keep playing. We're going to leave and have community together. Coffee's on the go. Visitors, the coffees are free. The hot chocolates are free. Go nuts. Stick around. Sign up for linked and for guess who's coming for lunch. But here's the kicker. If you are here and you're saying, I need prayer. I feel that moment where you said there's nothing good going on. Or there's nothing in my situation. I need help. Please come to the front. We've got a team who would love to pray with you. Love to help you. Engage with God in this moment. We're going to say amen.